1: Oh, good afternoon and welcome. All hail the mighty Dawgs says Georgia, the world champions of college football today, Tuesday, January 10th, the year 2023. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the Tigers trying to get off the schneid in, the in hoops as they're back home again. And, uh, we'll talk about LSU. Look, kirby smart's done a w- remarkable job and the comparisons are already coming in and lsu fans are in an uproar is this year's georgia team better than the 2019 lsu team the main thing is georgia is sustaining LSU's a roller coaster ride roller coaster up and down and up and down. We'll discuss that and we'll talk about the New Orleans Saints and the NFL playoffs today as my main man James Mesh back in the master control suite inside the game studios spinning the tunes pushing all the buttons right there on the campus of Delta Media which houses KLWB which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 in lake charles we're streaming around the world 1037thegame.com 1041thegame.com and if you happen to be in the acadiana area and you want to put a face to that voice you can do so because we're simulcast on stadium 32.3 and 133 on lus fiber
0: did you miss the headlines of the day not to worry The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines.
1: 65 to 7? 65 to 7? Are you kidding me? Just absolutely a remarkable beatdown by the Georgia Bulldogs as um, they scored 55 unanswered points, leading 10 to 7. Early on, and then boom, 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 boom. They just continued to pile it on, and the the Georgia Bulldogs, back to back national champions. Wow, Stetson Bennett. They're calling those in the Georgia community are calling Stetson Bennett the greatest Georgia Bulldog of all time. Well, his record speaks for itself at 25 years young in his sixth year of college football, five of them at Georgia, where they told him, you're going to be a third stringer. You're never going to play. Well, he did, and um, they are the champions. Uh, The last two seasons, 29 and 1. 29 and 1. Kirby Smart's record as the head coach of Georgia, he started in 2016, they went 8 and 5. The next year They went to the Rose Bowl and they were 13 and two in 2018, 11 and three in 2019, 12 and two in 2020, eight and two in that COVID shortened season, 2021, 14 and one, 2022, 15 and 0. 81 and 15 overall, 48 and nine in the Southeastern Conference they started off 2016 they weren't ranked 2017 number 2 in the country 2018 number 7 in the country 2019 number 4 2020 number 7 21 first 22 first and they're picked to be the, the number 1 team in the country going into next season stability consistency uh job well done by The Georgia Bulldogs. Our guest list today, Sean Kelly will join us. Um, Sean Kelly is a near and dear friend of mine. He used to be the voice of the Tulane Green Wave. Then he became the radio voice of the New Orleans Hornets. And he did that for several years. He got a big time gig doing some uh, radio uh, sports for ESPN, doing the NBA and college football. I guarantee you his wife said enough is enough. This travel is too much. Now he is the voice of the Florida Gators as Matt McMahon of LSU and Todd Golden will meet for the second time in their careers just a year ago. Matt McMahon was the coach at Murray State. Todd Golden was the head coach at San Francisco, two of the hottest young coaching candidates in the nation. For weeks, their names were floating in almost every story involving a coaching vacancy or an anticipated job opening at a plethora of Power Five institutions. Uh, By the way, they were paired up. In an NCAA tournament first-round game in Indianapolis, McMahon's 30-win team facing Golden's team that had won 24 games. They hooked up on a thriller on March 17th. Number 7-seeded Murray State of McMahon moved on, survived in advance with a 92-87 overtime win over the 10th-seeded San Francisco Downs. So they meet up again. Sean Kelly will preview that. LSU is going to be ranked (coughs) very highly in every upcoming uh, way too early college football poll. Um, One has them ranked number five already. One has them ranked number seven. They return a lot of players. They return their quarterback. Can LSU finally put an end to the, Win ten, then win eight. Win a national championship, then win six. Uh the roller coaster, can they get on a consistent, consistently high basis? That's what Alabama has always been since Sabin's been there. That's what Kirby uh Georgia is now that Kirby Smart is there. Can they can they maintain that consistency? We'll talk with Cokie Riley about that. Um, Sean Payton is considered the front runner, the front runner for the Arizona Cardinals job. He's Caesars has him as the, as the favorite for that one. Um, and that would be terrific since they hold, I think the number three pick in the draft uh, that would be, that would be worth it. That would be fun. Uh, we'll talk to Bob Rose about the Saints, about um, their exit interviews, and what uh, the evaluation that Mickey Loomis has to go through. Um, and we'll talk about like what do the Chicago Bears do? They got the number one pick in in the NFL draft because of Lovey Smith and Houston losing that game and losing the number one pick, uh, which got Lovey Smith fired it kind of crazy but but true um they've got a pretty good quarterback or so they think who was their number 1 pick a year ago two years ago um do they trade him and and go after Bryce Young of Alabama do they trade the pick and pick up more picks in the first round uh lots of things to talk about that poor the the saga that continues with Carlos Correa has been just crazy. Um what a month for Correa who he agreed first to a 13-year, 350 million dollar contract with the San Francisco Giants on December 13th. After the Giants raised concerns about Correa's surgically repaired right leg, he said, see you later, and I'm going to the New York Mets, who offered him a 12-year, $315 million contract. Well, the Mets flagged his physical as well. And efforts to amend that deal fell apart, which led Carlos Correa back to where he started with the Minnesota Twins, who are finalizing a six-year million contract pending a physical. So back and forth, a topsy-turvy offseason for Carlos Correa. Wow, the agreement includes a vesting option for four years and a $70 million um, million value will become official if Correa passes a medical review, which is currently taking place. The focus is on his lower right leg, which he broke in 2014 during a minor league game. Um, And those in the know say the Twins expect to be comfortable with the Um, examination. So, so we shall see. Um, Wow. Absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy. Uh, The final AP Top 25 poll is in. And, of course, the Georgia Bulldogs are number one, 65-7. TCU, despite being blown out, comes in at number two. Michigan at number three. Ohio State at four. Then a pair of SEC schools. Alabama at five. Tennessee at six. How about the Tulane Green Wave finishing ninth in the country? and the LSU Tigers come in at number 16. So there you go with all of that. Um that's history. Now we focus on college basketball, then college baseball, and all the 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 preseason hype will be on college football yet again. Uh and again, LSU ranked uh will be ranked very very highly in all the preseason polls. Can they Can they seal the deal? And can they become a program that is sustaining? Not a here one day, gone the next. Here one day, gone the next. Can they stay? They should be, especially with the the playoffs moving to 12 games, right? They should be in the playoffs every year. Every year. And if they're not, then they've done a terrible job, in my humble opinion. They should be in that 12-team playoff every stinking year because the SEC is going to get multiple teams in this thing. Everybody's going to say, well, uh, you know what everybody's saying now? Well, heck, the best national championship game would have been Georgia versus Alabama. And guess what? They're right. They are right. It just means more in the SEC. All right, we'll take a quick timeout. We're shifting our gears to a big matchup tonight in the Pete Maravich Assembly Center. The Florida Gators coming to town play-by-play voice of the Gator Sean Kelly, joins us next here on the Geordie Helper Show. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for those LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at
0: 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
1: And we are back seventy minutes after the hour on this uh, Tuesday, January 10th. Now that college football is in the books once and for all, seriously, 65 to 7? Are you kidding me? Has there ever been a blowout of such proportion in any any sport, in any championship game in existence? I don't know, but I'd have to look really hard to find one. But anyway, uh, we shift our focus now fully and totally on college basketball and in particular in the sec and tonight at six o'clock a very important matchup in peach palace as the florida gators come to town one and two in the southeastern conference lsu hosting at one and two and uh thrilled to have a friend coming on you know he started as the play-by-play voice of the tulane green wave uh moved up to the nba became the radio voice of the new orleans hornets got a big Time gig working for ESPN doing NBA games and college football games and and now um, he is the voice of the Florida Gators so they got a new football coach they got a new basketball coach and now they got a new radio voice and I think the radio voice is better than the other two anyway Sean Kelly kind enough to join us he is in Baton Rouge my friend long time no talk how have you been
2: I've been good. It's good to be back in the boot, Jordy, and uh, thanks for having me. I know that we've been trying to get connected for a couple of months, so this is a fitting way to do it.
1: It's not how you start, it's how you finish. So um, was that travel just getting to be absurd for you? And and was that one of the reasons why you got back into the the college game? No, I don't think it was the travel,
2: Jordy, so much as maybe missing being part of a team again and then looking for – I wasn't even actually looking for it. It just it presented itself uh, an opportunity to maybe be someplace very long-term and, and to put some roots back yeah. down. The ESPN thing was great. I got asked a lot about why I wanted to leave ESPN. I I didn't. I was very happy and negotiating my next contract. In fact, I remain with ESPN in kind of a different role. Um, but this Florida thing kind of came out of nowhere and then just checked every box, and not to get overly spiritual here, but Sometimes we pray that doors be open when they're supposed to be open and doors be closed when they're supposed to be closed. And, man, the doors were flying off the hinges here. And I finally, you know, you've known me a long time. I finally said, all right, I know I'm being stubborn. This makes total sense, so do it. So that's what we did.
1: (laughs) Couldn't happen to a more deserving guy than you. Kind of interesting in this part of the world, uh, you got a new football coach, Billy Napier. How's your relationship? How's he faring after one year as the football coach of the Gators?
2: I think that he has um, fared well, and I knew going in that he had his work cut out for him. Um, yeah. you know, one of the things that we learned about Billy there in Lafayette was his ability to develop players and build rosters. And I think he's developed uh, a core group of players, and now he has, you know, I would call last year a partial recruiting situation. This mm-hmm. year, full- on recruiting situation will show improvement and There's a lot of talk about how much turnover is going to happen with Florida's football roster, but look, when you're 12 and 13 in your last 25, uh, at some point you have to look at, you know, okay, (laughs) the roster, and turning some of that roster over is is what Napier is out to do right now, and um, I think that maybe the most important thing that we saw in Gainesville was Billy get a chance to establish the culture that he likes to have as far as, you know, obviously what he did with the Raging Cajuns, uh, just a feel of his program, the type of player that he wants in there. I think that foundation has been laid through this first season, and now we'll see how he builds off of that. But as far as he and I go, uh, he is a blessing to work with. He is a gentleman and does things the right way, and so I couldn't be happier to have somebody that I could deal with day in and day out for six months of the year.
1: Sean, welcome to uh, what LSU was was fighting for years and still fights, and welcome to that because you had to go through Alabama to win the West. You got to go through Georgia to win the East, and that freight train doesn't look like it's slowing down anytime soon. But enough of that. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk some. Let's talk some hoops. Um, a year ago, Matt McMahon was coaching at Murray State. Todd Golden was coaching at San Francisco. The two met the NCAA tournament. And the Racers beat the Dons in overtime in the first round of the tournament, 92-87. to 87. Now they meet up again in different circumstances. What do you like about the way Todd Golden coaches basketball?
2: I think that, by the way, that is such an interesting storyline about tonight's game. And just for a moment... Three of the guys that probably gave Golden trouble in that game in the tournament last year, now at LSU yes, uh, yes. with Matt. So uh, yes. that is kind of a renewal of that game from you know what ten months ago or nine months ago. Uh, Todd Golden's approach is unique in that, at the age of thirty-seven and a former player himself, I think that he does very well with identifying and meeting this generation of players where they are and. Mm-hmm you and I are both old enough now that um, maybe we we ourselves don't identify with this generation as well as we once did. We know the game, right?
0: right
3: but right. the
2: players and how they've come up through the game is certainly different. And I think Todd recognizes that. Um, I like the feel around this team, uh, and it comes from him and his staff. And at the same time, he still has one foot kind of in the old school. And maybe that's that he is – kind of a Bruce Pearl kind of guy. Um, That's where some of his roots come from. And yet, you know, he gets this label as being an analytics guy. And, and yes, he uses those quite heavily. But at the same time, I don't necessarily think that everything he decides, whether it's in-game or in preparing for his team, is is strictly driven off of some analytics chart or some formula, you know, that is beyond the X's and O's that – our standard in the game. So a mix of those two is what I find in him. And it's it's one of those deals where I think he and Matt both are in the same situation. You're gelling a new roster pieces coming from all over the place and trying to, you know, find your way around town, let alone, you know, put a basketball team on the floor in the Southeastern conference right now.
1: LSU's had a tough time rebounding. They have a, had a tough time scoring in the paint as recognized by their last game against Texas A&M. So the name Colin Castleton comes to mind at 6'11", about 250. He's a pretty good player, isn't he?
2: Yeah, I, I'm not so sure he's an NBA guy, Jordy, but okay. he's solid. And, and he's a big reason why Florida's 54% shooting the two-point shot and He's also a shot-blocking machine, and so, therefore, um, Gators opponents have gone 40% for those same two-point shots. Uh, Mm. The three-point line, just like seemingly everybody in college basketball now, is this wild night-in, night-out volatile stat. So, how does that factor into tonight's game? I'm not sure. Um, The Gators seemingly just finally put kind of all the things together in their win against Georgia over the weekend. And we'll see how they do against an LSU team that likes to get downhill on you a little bit, Trey Hannibal, and um, streaky at shooting at times and seems to be better at home than they are on the road.
1: Uh, LSU shooting 36% from behind the arc. The Gators 34% um, rebounding a critical, critical key and turnovers as always uh, talk about guard play because in college basketball and well in every level of basketball uh, guards are so important. And so many teams are playing three, some of them playing four guards in their starting lineup. Talk about the backcourt for the Gators.
2: Yeah, it's, it's Kyle Lofton right now. And, and, if you followed St. Bonaventure at all over the last several years, Lofton was their guy, and yeah. he transfers over as a graduate student. He had back spasms, Jordy, early in the season. So we never really got a good look at Lofton. And I was starting to wonder if, if the 38.1 minutes per game over the last four years was catching up to him. But now that he's kind of past the back spasms here in the last couple of games, we've seen him be the Kyle Lofton that I think Florida wanted. You know, SEC plays 12 points per game. His assist to turnover ratio is very good, and so and he's strong enough to to handle a you know a, an aggressive guard like Trey Hannibal. So that'll be a fun one to watch tonight. And then it's kind of been interesting against Georgia. The Gators finished the game small, and that included Trey Bonham and Myron Jones on the floor. Um, mm-hmm. And so those guys, if, if when they're together, they seem to be pretty good as far as valuing the basketball. Maybe could be better shooting as a trio, especially from outside. But uh, they're they're willing passers who like to set up these athletic wings. One of which was here in Baton Rouge last year by the name of Alex Fudge, who yeah. who might be a guard just in a forward's body because he's so slight. But that seven foot six wingspan, you yeah. want to label him a forward, but because he's kind of slight, he just seems like a big guard at this point.
1: Vegas thinks it's going to be a really close one, um, as as basically all SEC games are. Unless you go play in the in Tuscaloosa, then buyer beware on that one. But uh, this ought to be a this ought to be a pretty good game tonight.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't dare touch this thing if I was <laughs> if I just if I was a gambler, I wouldn't touch this one. I, I I think this is a possession or two game, and 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 again, like you said earlier, who takes care of the ball. And, and who hits maybe a couple more threes than the other guy. That that might be it. And I know that sounds simple, but you know the game. It might come down to just that.
1: Yeah. I'm with you. I ask all my broadcasting buddies this. Now that you're back in college, you're doing football, you're doing basketball, you're doing baseball. You love them all, but if you could only do one, would you want to Ooh. be in the swamp? Would you be on B- Billy Donovan's court, or would you be on that diamond? Which one would you like to do?
2: I don't know. I could ask this a lot, Jordy. Um, I do love them all, and that was the one thing when I left the NBA full-time and went to ESPN, one of those attractive things was I was going to do multiple sports again in my career, and Mm -hmm. obviously that's the same here in Florida. I guess it goes back to when I was a kid, Jordy, and that is when it was football season, that was my favorite sport. And then when it was basketball-slash-hockey season, that was my favorite sport. And then I love baseball. I probably played more baseball than any other sport on the ones I just mentioned, so I'm a seasonal guy, and so right now I am all in on college basketball, and I love it, and the NBA too. Um, but man, in the fall, is there anything better than an SEC football Saturday? No, I don't know. It's no. hard to beat in all of sports yeah. right now. So I just gave you a really lame political
1: answer there, you, but that's you really I did. I mean, there's a there's a governor's uh, race that's opening up in Louisiana. You going to throw your name in the hat or something?
2: Well, there's another job I would never touch, so no thanks.
1: (laughs) I remember Sean Kelly. When he arrived in the NBA uh, with the Hornets, and your eyes were as big as silver dollars. Um, you had just hit the lottery, um, and I am thrilled about your success uh, from there to here and now. And, uh, man, it's just awesome. It's all It was fun traveling with you, going to all those restaurants and talking ball, and it was a fun time, man. It really was.
2: We took advantage of uh, being able to go to some of the great cities in our country, didn't we? And uh, I learned a lot about life and the game itself in those early years, that's for sure.
1: And we certainly did it in first-class style. It's hard to match that. It's hard (laughs) to match it. (laughs)
2: Sometimes on some of these road trips now, I think and go, wow, boy, this is a lot different. But, no, you're right. Um, I I'm not necessarily uh, fond of the 82-game schedule anymore. (laughs) But when I add up all the things I do, sure enough, it ends up being about the same number. But
1: it's just different. Yeah, you're right. That's true. But at least it's a little bit – you'd like this Pelicans team, by the way. They're pretty good. If they can ever – same old story. If they they can ever get all healthy at the same time, they're pretty dadgum good.
2: Yeah, I think it'll be interesting when we get down the stretch here. What what team right now can get healthy? I mean – like the Nets just got hot, and now Durant's going to be out, right. and right. Curry's coming back to a war. You know, it's it's such a battle of attrition during the season. If if either of these teams or the Pelicans can get themselves at full strength theoretically uh, at the right time, that's that's how you win in this league. And uh, they're they're exciting to watch. I think their roster's built for the postseason again if they're healthy. Yeah. I think Pelicans fans are in for a real fun ride here this season. Maybe maybe better than. The 7 08 team, and you remember yes. how good that team was. So, Yes, um, indeed. Yeah, I'm really happy for them and and, and for the fan base, too.
1: I got to be honest with you. I, I wish I could see you tonight, but I got a senior who plays hoops for um, a school here in town, and she's pretty darn good, and we have a game tonight. So um, I won't be well, able to see you, but, but but I appreciate you coming on. It's been too long.
2: Well, Jordy, I appreciate that. And if she's anything like her old man, she probably can shoot the lights out. So, she, God bless anybody good. who has to go up against her.
3: So
1: yeah, she's averaging about that. 16 a game. She's pretty good. So, we'll see. We'll I'd see. Uh,
2: chip off the old block.
1: <laughs> well, say, safe, uh, have a great game. Safe travels. Uh, congratulations. Uh, I'll pull for you all the time until, uh, c- until the Tigers and the Gators play in the swamp or where in Tiger State and whatever. But until then, all the best, buddy. Thank you.
2: Yes, sir. Thank you. And that's very fair. I, I will appreciate your uh, loyalties there, no doubt. Take
1: care, Good Jordy. Sean Kelly, uh the play-by-play voice of the Florida Gators. Six o'clock tip tonight inside the Pete Maravich Assembly Center. Of course, you can listen to the broadcast here on the game, 1037, Lafayette 1041 lake charles i uh, will take a quick time out when we come back can lsu get in the realm of the georgia bulldogs can they can they sustain and become that that team year in year out competing for a title we'll talk about it next here on the geordie Helbert show on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles your home for those lsu tigers and the world series champion houston astros
0: they say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip, and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the blonde bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the Game. One zero three seven Lafayette and one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Well, the news that said the Georgia Bulldogs are the dominant team in college football after their uh, 65 to 7 demolition of TCU. The way too early polls are out for next year. Georgia's at number one. It's the same old, same old familiar foes. But LSU is right there amongst the top of the top. Let's talk to our good friend who covers LSU football, basketball, baseball for the USA Today Sports South region with the Daily Advertiser, Mr. Cokie Riley, it's been too long, man. Happy New Year on this tenth of January, Koki. What's happening?
4: Happy New Year! Thanks again for having me on, Joy. You're right; it has been too long.
1: Um, golly, what did you think? Yeah, everybody's now doing the doing the comparison. And all the Bulldog fans are saying, oh, this team is, is better than that 2019 LSU team. Look what we did. Look look at the score of the championship game. You know that's coming out. Uh, what do you say about all that?
4: I, I mean, honestly, I, I thought about this a little bit today. Um, I, I I don't who would win if the two teams played each other on, a, on like a neutral field. We will we will never get the answer, but I, I think it's impossible to deny that, in terms of just just pure dominance and um, and just based off pure results and resume, LSU's 2019 team, has, 2019 team has the best resume in the in the playoff era at the very least. Yeah. Because it's hard to compare them to you know pre-BCS or any of those other teams, just because those teams just didn't have the opportunity to play the sort of teams that. Like the 2019 LSU or this year's Jordan team played against, right? When you have those, um, when you when you when you're forced to go against the number two team and number three or four team in the nation to win the title. So, um, I think in this format, and, and I could probably include the BCS format as well. I think it's safe to say that like the the 2019 LSU team has the best resume at the
1: very least i'm with you uh the main thing and brian kelly's talked about this and so many you know lsu had um the greatest season ever 15 and 0 back in 2019 and then just like a blink of an eye they go five and five six and seven brian kelly comes in gets back to double digit wins uh what brian kelly wants and what every lsu fan wants is not the highs and the lows. They want the consistency and year in and year out with a 12 team playoff coming in. They want to be in that playoff year after year after year is, are, are, are you confident that LSU has the capabilities of, of being that type of team, being a Georgia, being an Alabama, being an Ohio state? Yes.
4: With the right coach, right? Uh, right. And I think you can say that for all those other programs as well. Like if you're the right coach at Alabama, you're going to make the playoff every year as they do right now. If, right, if you have the right coach at Ohio State, you're going to be in the playoff discussion every year, which is what they have been and what, which is what they are right now. And I don't see any reason why LSU can't be one of those teams. I mean, they're the number they're by far the number one school and one of the best recruiting states in the entire country. Um, it's there's money, there's other resources, there's really everything you could want from a campus perspective and from resources perspective in recruiting and, and everything you you'd, you'd want to have. You just need the right person to right, to uh, steady the ship, right? And and I think Ryan Kelly showed this year that he's probably that right person. And to be honest, LSU's won two national titles with with coaches that you could argue who, who weren't the right, who ultimately weren't the right people to right the ship. And they yep. won the national championship with those guys anyway. So I, I just don't see any reason why LSU can't do that under Kelly.
1: Talent is uh, is everything. When you look at um, what's coming back with the recruiting class that's coming in, with the transfer portal that's coming in, when you look at it, LSU's answered a lot of their problems, particularly it appears at the cornerback position. They've got some kids coming in there. Uh, what what position are you most concerned about this very early on toward next year's team?
4: I still think they need to add a linebacker or two. Um, I think after losing to Mario Tolan now, I think that position becomes a real, I guess, c- concern of sorts. Um, I think if John Emery doesn't come back, running back might be another option, but I think linebackers mm-hmm. pretty easily your number one spot because I think cornerback has quickly become a strength of this team. Um, if Darian Chester and J.K. Johnson play up to their potential, and if, if those two guys it do indeed play up to their potential, and then you have Zay Alexander, you have Denver Harris, who could be the best out of all of them. You have Javian Toviano as a freshman, who could maybe right. uh, sneak into the lineup. Seven Banks might be back next season. With Terrence, there's also with Terrence Walsh. Like they are kind of loaded at quarterback now, and I think, all, and pretty much all those guys except for Seven Banks have at least one more year of eligibility after this coming season. So I, I don't know. I, I just look at this team and I, I just, they don't have a lot of like giant holes because uh, mm-hmm. they're just deeper in a lot more spots. Um, there's a couple depth issues like a linebacker, but I mean, for the most part, like this is, it's just a much better roster than last season's team. And that's why everyone's sort of slotting LSU as a top five, top 10 sort of team heading into the next season
1: all because that quarterback's coming back but t- tell me I'm crazy mm. why do I keep thinking that the weakest position group on this team is believe it or not wide receiver now, i know they got a lot of Ooh. players but are they are they really that good i'm looking at all these other teams and i'm like wow okay maybe we- malik neighbors okay he had a great year after that uh so tell me i'm crazy please i, I won't get my feelings hurt
4: no, no, I, 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 think that's a spicy take. Um, I, it's not quite as, it's not quite as talented as it would have been if it weren't if if, if Booty had actually returned. Um, but since he's not back, it has weakened a little bit. I, I, would agree with that. But I, I mean, Brian Thomas can still win almost any 50-50 ball you want. I mean, remember they also they're also bringing back Chris Hilton from injury. At least, at least it sounds like he's coming back. Uh, Kyron Lacy is a pretty solid receiver, even if he isn't the most, even if he isn't the flashiest guy out there. Like Neighbors, who we've already talked about a little bit, like he is a, as legitimate number one receiver, probably going to be a guy who's going to be um, competing for the Blitnickoff Award. Like I would be surprised if he doesn't have at least a, a, another thousand yards next year, and he has great chemistry with Daniel so You have to remember that aspect of it, okay. and. I mean, a guy like Aaron Anderson, he could help them. He he's gonna he's next with, with Booty out the door and no uh, Jack Bash. Like he could be an option in the slot maybe for them um, as sort of a speed guy. And I, I, I they just have options. And then Shelton Sampson Junior is another another potential ball winner on the outside if he plays really well. I mean Kyle Parker, his, his stock only rose throughout the, throughout his senior season of high school. And uh, we haven't even mentioned Jalen Brown, who might be the fastest player in the, player in the receiving core. So, like, mm-hmm. there there's just a lot more depth on that unit this year than last year. Weirdly enough, even though you could argue that the top tier talent was more impressive heading into this past season than it is heading into this this upcoming season, but I, I I still think the room's in great shape.
1: Okay. Uh, I guess I'm from the show me state, right? Show me. Uh, I see what you got on paper. I see it. I saw a lot of That's drops. I, they, they need to go back to that jugs gun and catch a thousand passes a day uh, and get ready for it. So, OK, I, I'm with you. Um, so LSU is going to be ranked very highly in all the preseason polls for college football. Let, let's shift gears to college hoops for a minute. Uh, Florida comes to town. Um both teams are one and two in the SEC. You better win on your home court because if you don't win now, LSU schedule the next four number four, Alabama, number 21, Auburn, number five, Tennessee, number 15, Arkansas. This thing could spiral in the wrong direction quickly, quickly, if they don't get a W tonight.
4: I 100% agree, and I have trouble thinking about what am I going to add to this conversation because that was exactly the point I was going to make because, and I've been writing about this a decent but too, like, if they don't win this game or if they don't win at least, you know, heading into the stretch, I should say, the A&M game and this game, like, if they didn't win at least one, if not both of them, then they were going to be, they, they could be in some trouble just because this, this upcoming stretch is easily the toughest uh, stretch of basketball they'll have this season and then even after that stretch of four i believe they play texas tech and then it's and then i think it's like missouri mississippi state and i think there's no eighties. um uh, what yeah exactly i think there might be alabama in there too or, or something like that because it's there's just they're they're just they're just going to run into this murderous row for the next i don't know like seven or eight games and this is one of the few gimme's this uh, this Florida game, and it might not be as easy of a gimme uh, because the I mean the analytics like the ten palms of the world and the net rankings like they're Florida's ahead of LSU in that stuff. Yep. So I yep. know they're eight and seven, but they probably they almost definitely had a tougher non-conference schedule than the Tigers. So I, I don't know. It's it's, uh, it's very precarious times for LSU basketball. I'd say
1: I've never been on a team. Coached a team, seen a team that was outscored in the paint forty-two to ten, like LSU was against them. Forty-two to ten. How in the heck does that happen?
4: They don't really have. If you look at this team, they don't really have anyone who's going to threaten the rim as a lob threat, as yeah. an offensive rebounding threat. Uh, they have some projects like like a Sean Phillips, for example. Um, they have some length on this team, but. If you think about it, the strength of this LSU team is that they can spread your five wide. Um, you got a guy like Derek Fountain, but again, he's a shooter, too. So that can definitely play to their advantage. But if those guys aren't hitting shots, like K.J. Williams wasn't really, then it's going to be hard to get into the paint, right? Because if you're not spreading out the floor, then teams don't have to worry about that, and they can just cradle into the paint like Texas A&M did, right? But, yeah. it, but it, like in the Kentucky game, I know they lost the Kentucky game, but KJ was able to hit shots, and they were able to create some stuff out in the perimeter, and it opened up the inside, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's probably their easiest path to, um, uh, to to getting better performances in the paint. Then on the flip side, uh, defensively, I, I just they just got to stay in front of their man a little bit better. I don't, I don't think this defense is horrible, actually. I I think they're fairly sound. They don't, I don't see... A ton of reason to be terribly frightened about like the state of their defense moving forward. but I, I don't know I, I think a lot of the key of this team is just is just unlocking Williams and being able to just stretch out defenses with with, with shooting because um, I, and because I, again, they don't really have a rim running pick and roll big man yeah. threat, right? so that's just sort of the Unfortunately of the their
1: best their best rim attacker is also their shortest player in Hannibal um without question without doubt and the other thing is the most consistent score, right, has been K.J. Williams. Then after that, it's like all coaches want is to know, okay, I'm going to get 10 from this guy. I'm going to get 12 from this guy because I see it night in and night out with LSU. It's like, okay, uh, who's going to score this time? Uh, Okay, it's your turn. You know what I mean? So the consistency factor hasn't been there this year. And still, uh, you know, they're playing pretty good.
4: Um, yeah. I mean, I, I had kind of asked, uh, coaching man about this the other day, like Cam Hayes as a sort of, do you want to see some more consistency from him as a one-on-one scorer? And I asked that right. because I, I, I just feel like there, you see flashes from him as a guy who could sort of take over the game a little bit in spurts as, as a guy who can be, be, you know, be be a pick and roll threat, um, uh, break guys, break down defenses off the dribble, uh, because they sort of need that because, I mean, Adam Miller just hasn't been efficient enough to do that so far. He played well this past week against uh, in the last game against a And M, but it, they they need more of that out of him because um, yeah. I think that's going to be that's the sort of the key to, to unlock KJ Williams to unlock the paint um, because that's again that's just they have a lot of they have a lot of perimeter oriented players and. Um, I don't think it's a bad thing at all. I mean, we've seen a lot of successful teams be perimeter-oriented. It's sure. also just sort sure. of the direction of where the game is going right now. But yep. in order to be perimeter-oriented, you have to make shots and create shots. And they Amen. just haven't done that terribly consistently.
1: Uh, Villanova comes to mind. Before they execute and they knock down free throws, at least in the years gone by, they have been terrific at that. You know, I think about 65-7 to 7, Georgia beating TCU. Um Man, if I'm in the SEC East, I'm like, sheesh, come on. At least in the West, you saw LSU win the West. There's a chink in Bama's armor. Yeah, Georgia. Jeez, How do you stop that freight train?
4: Um I think for all those for all those SEC East teams, you just cry because I, <laughs> none of them have the requisite talent to compete with the with Georgia right now. They just don't. Um, wow. It was as we saw last night. You know, talent matters. Stars matter, as, as Ari Wasserman says. Uh, I I I subscribe to that theory because you, you know the teams with the best players usually win. Um, right. And Georgia has the best players, and there's no there's no team in the SC what East at least that can that can sort of comp, that has the, the type of high four stars and five star athletes that um, Georgia has. And I mean Tennessee, I think you can get there eventually. Um, and I think they had a pretty good recruiting class this past year. They had one of the best quarterbacks uh, in the class, and Nico am Iamavela, I'm I, I'm I really I apologize if I'm butchering that name, but um, okay. I I write the, but they're there, but they're not there yet. So until that happens, no one's really going to compete with them in the east. I, I think
1: I kind of sum it up this way, Koki. You know, LSU had that great season, and they lost like 15 players to the NFL, and they went. Five and five afterwards. Georgia lost fifteen players from last year's national championship team, and this team was even better because it went undefeated. That's a coach that that recruits and is consistently recruiting and consistently recruiting and consistently developing. That's what LSU fans want. Uh, you're not going to win every year at national championships, but man, you just want to be in that 12 team hunt and have a chance, and that's what they want. That's that's the responsibility of Brian Kelly, um, and I. I think we both agree. I think the potential is there. Now we'll we'll see if the potential comes out to reality.
4: Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Brian Kelly doesn't win a national championship at, at some point in LSU. I, it's there's the odds. I agree. It just makes too much sense, right? Yep. And or Ed Orgeron can do it. If Les Miles can do it, and huh. and do it with a worst developing system and uh, <laughs> questionable assistant coaching hires and scandals yes. and all that sort of stuff, there's no reason why Brian Kelly can't um okay, riley. and yeah so we're up against the clock I,
1: I greatly appreciate your time that was fun man thank you so much um and happy new year Continued success we'll talk to you soon awesome thanks so much again uh you're the best koki riley usa today network and the daily advertiser back to wrap up hour number one next all right, we're back, wrapping up our number one thanks to Sean Kelly, play-by-play voice of the Florida Gators. LSU versus the Gators in hoops tonight, six o'clock. You can listen to it right here on the game. Cokie Riley of the USA Today Network. We're talking about LSU trying to maintain that consistency, be up there with the Georgias and the Alab- Alabamas year in and year out. Don't even debate the 2019 LSU team versus the 2022 Georgia team. Stop it right now. It ne- LSU never trailed in the fourth period of fourth quarter of any game. During that year, Georgia held on to beat, to come put behind to beat Ohio State. End of debate. Hour number two straight ahead here on The Jordy helper Show. Stay with us.
0: Live and local. This is the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy
1: Holtberg. Hour number two of two, and away we go on this Tuesday. Excuse me, January 10th, the year 2023. My main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite in the game studio, spinning the tunes, pushing all the right buttons. He's right there on the campus of Delta Media, where 1037 Lafayette is. Also, we're on in Lake Charles, one we We're streaming everywhere, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And we're on television in the Acadiana area. as We're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on lus fiber 65 to 7 Georgia back-to-back national championships in a dominating fashion doesn't take anything away from TCU being in the championship game so stop talking about all that you worked nobody complained that Michigan was in the final four as the number two ranked team and TCU beat them they deserve to be where they were but they're a level below the Georgia. Bulldogs. Uh, The last time the New Orleans Pelicans beat the Washington Wizards in D.C., Willie Green, the head coach of the Pels, was wearing shorts. He was playing for the Hornets and he was a backup guard. On New Year's Day in 2011, Willie Green scored five points in 20 minutes in the Hornets' 11 point win. In New Orleans' next 10 games in our nation's capital, it failed to get a win. On Monday, the Green coaching-led Pelicans ended that streak despite missing Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram. They beat the Wizards 132-112 at Capital One Arena, and it was the first win for the Pels in the year 2023. How about that? C.J. McCollum, who rested in Saturday's loss to the Dallas Mavericks, returned, scored 34 points. Um, and uh, in the first half, he and Jonas Valanciunas combined to score 42. The Pels climbed out of an early double-digit deficit to take a 10-point lead at the break. So uh, the Pels get to win number 25 on the season. They're 25-16. and they only problem is two teams ahead of them keep winning. Memphis Grizzlies' uh, seven-game winning streak continues, and the Denver Nuggets have won three in a row. So the Pels are now two-and-a-half games out of first place, and it doesn't get easier because tomorrow they take on the Eastern Conference-leading Boston Celtics. This is a tough, tough road trip for uh, the Pels to say uh, <laughs> without question, uh, without doubt. So stay tuned for that. Meanwhile, we'll talk a lot of NFL football. We'll talk a lot about the uh New Orleans Saints. We'll talk about the playoffs. Bob Rose of the Saints News Network will join us as he does each and every Tuesday. Um and and we will uh we will mention um you know, the playoffs and those factors. But the big storyline is what's going to happen with the New Orleans Saints. They've got a lot of thinking, a lot of uh, decisions to be made. Dennis Allen with his exit interviews and his exit exit uh, um, press conference with the media. Uh, one of the questions that I wanted to hear the answer to, I haven't heard the answers here, but I wanted to hear about uh, someone asked him, hey, um since the season's over, have you talked to uh, your boss, Gail Benson, yet? Well, yeah, we've talked throughout the season, but um, you
3: know, I feel like I've got Mrs. B's uh, support. She's been nothing but outstanding for for us, and and uh, you know, I'm sure that at some point we'll sit down and 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 visit. But um, but no, I have not spe- haven't specifically sat down with her after the season and, and went through a rehash of the of the season.
1: Well, that will come. That will come. Um, injuries and th- players that you thought would be there that weren't there and decisions have to be made. One decision, Dennis Allen was asked, have you decided what to do with wide receiver Michael Thomas?
3: No. Again, there's been no decisions made on on anything to this point. Um, I think that was more of a, you know, it kind of, Gives us, I guess, and 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 him just a little bit more flexibility in terms of what we do as we as we set our plan going forward.
1: Okay, diplomatic answer as always. All right, one of the big questions I had: uh, Jameis Winston got hurt. Andy Dalton came in, uh, did a did a nice job. Not a, you know, he did what he was asked to do. Um, played not to lose, basically. Jameis Winston gets healthy. Never gets back in. So Dennis Allen, why did you refrain from going back and starting Jameis Winston? Well, look, I, I think uh, you know initially it was it was the the
3: injury issue, um, and and then as as time went on, you know, uh, I felt like Andy was the one that gave us a, a better opportunity to win. We didn't win enough games, and so all those things are always going to be questioned and, and second guessed. I don't know if second guess is the right word, but be questioned. Um, and I'm comfortable with that.
1: Okay. Um, well, a lot of decisions have to be made for sure. No question, no doubt about any of that. So we, uh, we shall see again, Bob Rose will join us here in just a few minutes and we'll go through all the litany of, uh, of the NFL for sure. Um, Carlos Correa. First was going to leave the Minnesota Twins and go to the San Francisco Giants. That didn't work out because of a physical. Then he was going to go to the New York Mets. Well, that deal broke down, and now he's going back to Minnesota um, for a six-year, $200 million contract pending a physical. So we'll see if that um, that uh, right leg That surgically repaired right leg that he suffered in an injury back in 2014 during a minor league game uh, will pass the test. Everyone seems to believe that it will. Uh, So there you go. The AP. Final poll came in, and of course Georgia is uh number one, no question. G- uh, TCU's number two, Michigan number three, Ohio State number four. So the only thing that changed in the uh was the flip-flopping of Michigan and TCU from the um from the, the rankings in the final p- in the poll. Michigan loses to TCU, so TCU leapfrogs them. Uh, Tulane, its highest ranking in decades, comes in the final ranking at number nine. LSU comes in the first season of Brian Kelly, comes in at number 16. Now, the the, the difference here is now when all the preseason polls come out, Tulane's not going to be there. LSU's going to be way, way, way higher. Uh, in fact, uh, Georgia's going to be ranked number one. Alabama's Alabama is going to be in the top five LSU is going to be in the top 10 for sure maybe even as high as number six maybe number five in some cases so a lot of expectations there a lot of hope for LSU basketball tonight back on the hardwood as the Florida Gators come to town um LSU is uh one and two in league play and can't stress enough how important this game is for LSU, considering who their next four opponents are. Florida comes in eight and seven overall, one and two in league play. And yet Florida is in some um, of those that uh, like to make wagers is a as much as a one point favorite over LSU in this ball game. Hmm. LSU needs this one badly because up next is a gauntlet of teams ranked in the AP top 25. As of today, Alabama's number four, Auburn's number 21, Tennessee's number five, and Arkansas's number 15. LSU beat them in the SEC opener, uh, and Arkansas is going to want to exact some revenge on that one. So LSU's got to figure out a way. Look, they got to knock down shots. You're not going to all of a sudden grow taller You're not going to all of a sudden change your identity and become this dominant in the paint type of team. That's just not their DNA. So for LSU to win games, they've got to shoot a high percentage plain and simple. They were outscored 42 to 10 in the paint against Texas A&M. I've never seen anything like that. Any team that I've ever played on coached for uh, talked about, I've never seen anything like it. So Adam Miller, if you're listening, Knock down some shots. K.J. Williams, let's set some screens for him, Free them up. Fake it. Drive in the paint. Shoot your little floater. Stuff like that. That's the only way uh, they can win it. Uh, speaking of basketball, LSU's women's team climbed up two spots in the AP poll. They're now <laughs> number five in the country after Saturday's win over Kentucky, which led them to a 16-0 and record, the best start in program history. Uh, The average margin of victory this season for Kim Mulkey's squad a nation leading 39.8 points. Now a lot of that is because they played a bunch of cream puffs early on They're beating teams by 50 and 60, but, but inside the conference, they're winning by 25 and 24 high double digits. So that's pretty good. Uh, they're back in home. Uh, they see they go to Columbia to take on Missouri on Thursday. They head back home Sunday, um, and they'll take on Auburn. Uh, prior to that ball game, will be a huge game for LSU women's sports and women's history, uh, as Simone Augustus's statue will be unveiled before that game. So you'll have, you've got uh, in order, um, Shaq, then Bob Pettit, then Pistol Pete, and now Simone Augustus. So that's a, that's a pretty good foursome when it comes to. Hoops, without question, without doubt. All right, we're going to take a uh, quick time out here. When we come back, Saints, a lot of things to discuss, a lot of things to talk about. Can somebody grab, can Arizona grab Sean Payton, please? We can get that first-round draft pick. That and the NFL playoffs will determine some winners in that as we roll on with the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose of the Saints News Network. When we return, Here, to the Jordy Helpert Show, on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. It's time
0: for Jordy to march into some New Orleans Saints talk with Saints News Network's Bob Rose. Here is the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
1: Oh, what a snoozer that was in Caesars Superdome to end the regular season as the Saints fall to the Carolina Panthers. As we have said ad nauseum, they are 7-10, and 10, heading to an off-season of much uncertainty. Bob, I know you're smiling. Are you smiling? I mean, how are you, man? Hi,
5: uh, Jordy, you called it a, a snooze fest. Uh, my anger. My anger kept me from dozing off in this one, uh, but I, other than that, I'm pretty well, my friend. Uh, I hope you are the same.
1: I am well. Um, I want to play this sound bite and then get your thoughts. Here's uh, Dennis Allen uh, on his exit um, interviews with the media. Uh, he was asked about uh, self-evaluation. Listen to this one.
3: You sit down and you 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 think about it and you write down things. or oh, what did I do well? What did I not do well? Part of that. Is not just self evaluation, but I'll get, I'll ask Mickey, Michael, Jeff, coaches, you know, hey, what'd you think? Would I do well? Would I not do well? Um, and I'll take that information and try to grow from it.
1: Your response to that uh, as uh, from your head coach?
3: Well, my response to you,
5: Dennis Allen, is you showed so little growth during the regular season. And yeah. what sh- What should we really expect to change this offseason? Mm-hmm. I, I hope it does, uh, because I do think the team is going to bring Dennis Allen back. Uh, you know, whether we as fans agree with it or disagree with it, we don't make that call. And I think because of the way the team played down the stretch especially defensively uh know, da probably earned that second year but again you know he he seemed to learn so little during the regular season uh or seemed to grow so little during the regular season then what should we really expect to change into 2023
1: bob every player in their extra interviews always go hey we're not that far off we're not Mm -hmm. far off we're really close is that just a bunch of hogwash or are they close
5: Um, It's what players say, uh, you know, especially players that want to be back in a New Orleans Saints uniform next year. But I'll tell you, I don't think they're as close or, or I don't think they're as far off as what a lot of people consider. Uh, or believe that they are. You look at the way this defense played the second half of the year, really the last 10 games, they were a championship-level unit. Uh, you look offensively, I mean, Chris Alave, a rookie, uh, you know, Rashid Shaheed, a rookie, Jawan Johnson just in his third year. Uh, you know, the, the, the future could be bright with the right moves, uh, uh, personnel moves this offseason. Obviously, a huge question, at quarterback, some big decisions on offensive line, defensive tackle, uh, in the secondary, uh, but there's still a lot of talent in this building. I really believe that.
1: You mentioned Chris Olave. Listen, uh, he was asked about uh, his first year, rookie year. It started off great. I think it tailed off a little bit, Uh, but here's Olave's reaction to his first year.
3: Well, it was a long year, you know. What I'm saying now that I know what's going on, now, now that I know what's going to happen in a year in the NFL season, I feel like I could prepare for that in the off season and just keep getting better. I know it's a lot of things I could work on. Uh, the stats was there, but uh, I know I left a lot of yards in the field, and I know I could improve a lot in year two. So I'm gonna do that this off season.
1: Uh, Yeah, I think that piano got on his back. It was a long season, and um, I think that happens. I I guess we're all hoping, Bob Rose of the Saints News Network, that um, Vegas is giving uh, the best odds for the new head coach of the Arizona Cardinals to be Sean Payton. I don't know why he'd want to go there, but I hope he does. They've got the third overall pick in this year's draft. Saints need a quarterback. Can we make that happen, Bob?
5: Uh, Yes, sir. I'd love to see it happen. Uh, And as you know, Arizona was my favorite, uh, along with the Chargers 1A and 1B, all the way back to the preseason. Uh, I think it's very interesting that Arizona cleaned house completely, Uh, that they're also going to be looking for a new general manager. Uh, So maybe that's an opportunity for Peyton to kind of handpick his guy to go
1: along in Arizona. Could we have... Uh, could we have Mickey Loomis and Sean Payton reunited and it feels so good in Arizona? Well, I mean, I, I certainly consider it. There have been rumors
5: about Mickey stepping away from the saints before, uh, you know, nothing for the last couple of years, uh, and if not Mickey Loomis, why not one of those other front office guys? He has a great relationship with Jeff Ireland, yeah. uh, has a good relationship with Kai Harley, who is a salary cap wizard. Uh, there's you know, Kyler Murray is in Arizona. Uh, whether you believe Kyler Murray is a franchise quarterback or not, uh, you know, I have questions myself. A lot of people do believe in him, and mm-hmm. there's all kinds of defensive uh, pieces in uh you know with the cardinals along with some very very talented wide receivers yeah i could i could still see sean payton landing in arizona
1: wow um they'd have to give that first round pickup right they'd have to
5: well i hope so uh you yeah. know that's that's the rumor mill and that's what the saints are going to be asking for but that's an awfully high pick to give for a head coach even one the caliber of sean payton uh yeah i keep cautioning saints fans and you know look i know i know everybody wants a first round pick at the at the minimum but do not be surprised if it's maybe a second round pick this year and a future first round pick mm-hmm. i hope i'm wrong because that number three pick would look awful glorious it gets your franchise quarterback in your building if you have it uh but yeah, you know, we'll we'll wait and see what transpires
1: interesting interesting to say the least uh we uh, we shall see um michael thomas Last last season as a saint, is he gone, you think?
5: Yeah, yeah, Jordy, I think he is. Uh, and, again, this is something I, ho- I'm, I hope I'm wrong at because I love Michael Thomas, the player, when he's healthy. Uh, the problem is he hasn't been healthy for literally three years now. Uh, this move that they made to restructure his deal, the way that it sits now if Michael Thomas is a still a New Orleans saint on the third day of the new NFL year, which is March, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. then Michael Thomas is going to get one hefty roster bonus. Uh, I think this opened the door for the team to pr- probably try to trade Mike first. Okay. But if that's unsuccessful, uh, you know, then it now and uh, you know, now cracks the window for them to release him uh, with a slightly smaller salary cap hit that they can spread over a couple of years.
1: How we talk about Sean Payton getting getting a first round pick for him. What the heck do you get for a guy that hadn't played who had who had arguably one of the greatest seasons ever as a wide receiver and then has fallen kind of off the face of the earth for back to back seasons? What what can you get for that? Yeah, and
5: that's the major question. Yeah, uh, you know, Mike showed in his first three games this year that he still got it. Uh, you know, no question about that. Uh, but again, if you're a t- if you're a team and you're eyeing up Michael Thomas, you're sure as heck not going to give up a first round pick. Not when you're que- uh, you know questioning his durability. Uh, realistically, I think the Saints might be able to get a. An early day three pick, uh, or something in the conditional lines of a midline, a mid round pick. That you know, if he hits certain incentives with another team, catches, games played, you know, yardage, uh, you know, that that could escalate maybe into a higher pick. Realistically, that's what we're looking at for a Michael Thomas trade.
1: Here's Bob Rose, Saints News Network. Jameis Winston's not gonna be around anymore. The question is. Um, is Andy Dalton uh because he had a decent year let's say you draft a quarterback um you got to you got to groom that quarterback a little bit what what do they do with Andy Dalton uh, I think that what they'll probably
5: do is let Andy test the test the free agent market, uh, you know, as a courtesy to him. They'll tell him that they plan on going another direction with the starting quarterback in 2023. But Andy was perfectly content in coming to New Orleans this past season as a backup quarterback. So we know that he, uh, yeah, he does have that mentality. Uh, i I look for him to search the free agent market if he doesn't find any potential starting spots even if it's as a bridge starter which it would be uh then he'll probably return to new orleans but i could completely see that scenario but again you know not as a starter uh but we know dennis allen loves the guy i mean he, he not basically. He flat out chose Andy Dalton over Jameis Winston when both were healthy. Uh, you know, So Dennis does feel comfortable with Andy Dalton and what he brings to the table should he have to play him. Ultimately, I do think that Andy winds up back in New Orleans as a backup quarterback
1: give me reasons for optimism we um had a bad season uh we don't have a quarterback we're so far over the salary cap uh we don't have a first round pick uh well, how, how how do we write this ship in a hurry
5: uh, man i wish i could give you reasons for
1: optimism man <laughs> uh <laughs> yeah listen this defense believe, is, this defense
5: is terrific Uh, and I know that there are going to be all kinds of rumors floating around about Cam Jordan and or Demario Davis being cap casualties because of their salary cap number. If even one of those guys are back, and I'm rooting for both of them to be back and finish their career in New Orleans, they have so many young pieces around. Carl Granderson came on strong down the stretch. Uh, The linebackers, even without Demario Davis, re-signing Caden Ellis is a top priority. But you have Pete Werner, you have Marshawn Lattimore, Elante Taylor, Paulson Adebo in that defensive backfield, Uh, you know, a couple young uh, other young pieces on the defensive line. We already mentioned Chris Alave, Rashid Shaheed, Alvin Kamara. If they choose to stay with him, yeah, I know he's facing legal problems, but he is still a problem on the football field for opponents. Jawan Johnson came along very nicely. And those offensive linemen, as ravaged as they were by injury this year, they're all still young guys. I think Pete is the oldest at 29, maybe turning 30 this offseason. So, again, there are some pieces in place to rebuild. There are some... Some key areas, as you pointed out, uh, yeah, that this team has to address well this offseason. They don't have as many moves as we're typically accustomed to seeing, so they have to hit on those fewer moves that they have. And yeah. even if they don't wind up with a first round pick, with a Sean Payton trade or otherwise, uh, quarterback's still going to be a problem, obviously, but don't think for one minute that Mickey Loomis isn't willing to sacrifice future number one picks to move back into the first round this year if they can get that quarterback.
1: Sounds like a plan. All right, let's take a timeout. I'm tired of talking about the Saints. We've got playoff games coming up. Let's talk about that. We'll get Bob's power rankings as we roll on with the Black and Gold Report here on the Jordy Helpert Show.
0: (laughs) back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Ah Yes, definitely not as long, definitely not as blonde, but uh, it is what it is as we continue the Black and Gold Report with the Saints News Network's one and only Mr. Bob Rose. Bob, we talked about the Saints ad nauseum. They're done, but we've got some playoff games and it all gets started uh, with the 2023 wildcard game. So if you're up for it now, let's get your thoughts on these games, starting with? the seattle seahawks at the san francisco 49ers very rarely bob do you see in the playoffs a team a double digit underdog but that's what seattle is even though brock purdy five and zero was a starter he's still a rookie he hadn't played in the playoff game yet what do you think about the hawks at the niners
5: uh, no, he ha- Brock Purdy hasn't played in the playoff game yet, and I am going to be very interested to see how he reacts to playoff pressure against, especially against such a playoff season coach such as Pete yeah. Carroll. Right. However, I think Seattle down the stretch of the year they kind of showed after a, a strong and surprising start, uh, they kind of went into a swoon a little bit. Uh, yeah, this team definitely limped into the playoffs. I think Seattle's going to make a game of it. Uh, but listen, I think San Francisco is a bona fide Super Bowl contender. Uh, I could see the I could see this game being closed early, but the 49ers pulling away uh, you know, late. Uh, that defense is just too good. Seattle's not going to be able to
1: do much. All right. Uh, Geno Smith, so much pressure on Emmy. Average 260 passing yards and two regular season losses to the Niners. That Niners defense, too good. Chargers. At the Jacksonville Jags, how about the Jags coming from behind, winning that one? They won the regular season matchup on the road, kind of blew the Jag- the Chargers out, and they closed the regular season on a four-game winning streak. Justin Herbert, uh, Joey Bosa, and the, the regulars are back. Jacksonville, uh, one-and-a-half-point underdog at home. What do you think? Boy, I, everybody assumes
5: since the Chargers made the playoffs that that's not going to be a destination for Sean Payton. I keep saying I still think it could be if the Chargers go out in the first round. And this is a dangerous first round matchup for, you know, for the Chargers. They're on the road, like you said, uh, you know, and there's there's no stronger home field advantage in any other sport than there is in the NFL. That That's the strongest. Mm-hmm. Uh jacksonville was playing really well they're a tough team not to root for i know la is explosive they have all the right pieces but for the last couple of years something just seems to be missing with this chargers organization killer instinct falling short in the uh in pressure moments things like that um I like I like the Chargers roster, I really do, but I think Doug Peterson is going to pull this one out. I think Jacksonville continues their role and uh, and they're going to knock the Chargers out, and Sean Payton could be rumored for the Chargers job.
1: I'm hoping Jacksonville wins just to advance, so we can further close the lid on Urban Meyer and what a horrible. Higher that was. Uh, I'm not a fan of Urban. Not a fan. Sorry. Just not. um All right. Bob Rose. Here we go. um Another divisional matchup Miami at Buffalo. Another double digit favorite role for the home team in the Buffalo Bills. I don't know who's quarterbacking for Miami. Is it Chua? Is it Teddy Two Gloves? Is it some dude named Skylar Thompson? You put all three of them together. I'll still take Josh Allen over the three of them combined i don't see how miami can go to buffalo in that weather with that quarterback with their with their story that they're playing for for number three i don't see how miami can can come close to winning this thing
5: yeah i don't either jordy i think miami gets their doors blown off uh yeah the only way they have keeping it potentially close is if there's decent weather to a plays and that opens it up to some big plays but buffalo but my concern with the bills all year long has been their ability to stop the run and their ability to run the ball they've shored up both in big ways down the stretch um, and yeah it, it, they're they're playing as well-rounded football as any other team in the national football league uh, i i think that the bills are going to make a run for it here and it starts with a thumping of their division rival
1: Uh, yeah, they're seven and one at home is Buffalo this season. So I, I I think the home teams will prevail until maybe this next one. Minnesota is at home against the New York giants. The Vikings are only favored by two and a half. Uh, the giants took the Vikes to the limit in week 16. Saquon Barkley ran for a buck 33. Um, Man, they're gonna they're gonna ground it and pound it. And Barkley, they're five and one are the Giants when Barkley gets 20 carries or more. So Giants, give him the football and give it to him often. Um, Kirk Cousins, right? Your boy, one and three in the playoffs. All the pressure in the world on cousins and the Vikings. What do you think?
5: Yes, sir, it absolutely is. And I've said time and time again that I think Minnesota has done it with smoke and mirrors all year long. Uh, I'm glad you pointed out that the Giants took them to the limit a few weeks back. Uh, I really should have won that game because, yeah, I, I watched it. They had their opportunities. I think Minnesota can win this game if they get up early, if they come out slinging the ball and Cousins is accurate. Uh, but playoff Kirk Cousins, I just don't trust. Uh, I would not be surprised. You know, Minnesota has the vastly more talented roster, uh, but the Giants have just played so far above themselves. And I think Brian Dable is the runaway Uh, coach of the year uh, in my my book. Uh, The Giants aren't going to go on a Super Bowl run, don't get me wrong, but I think if there's an upset in the wild card round, it's this one right here. And I'm going to go with the Giants pulling off the upset over Minnesota.
1: The G-Men. All right. Uh, We shall see. A team that you love, that I love, that everybody seems to be loving at the right time, Uh, the Baltimore Ravens at the team we love, Cincinnati Bengals. Um, Here's another game where the quarterback situation directly – impacts the spread Cincinnati's favored by six and a half is Lamar Jackson going to play for Baltimore. Um, they say, can't seem to work out a contract, so they're going to put the tag on him. Does Lamar Jackson want to risk further injury? Does he want to do that? I mean, who knows what's going through his head, right? Who knows? Uh,
5: yeah. And that's a big soap opera storyline oh, in Baltimore is. right now. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, and I never thought it would be, but listen, I, I assume that Lamar Jackson is going to play until he doesn't. Uh, but the thing about the Bengals defense—they've always played against Lamar extremely well. Uh, I think that the Cincinnati has a very underrated defense. Everybody knows what the Bengals have offensively. Uh, yeah, I, I think the Bengals defense was just as much responsible for their title run last year and for how yep. well they're playing now. Yeah. Uh, it would not. It, if Lamar doesn't play. They're going to blow Baltimore out of the building. If Lamar does, if the, you know, they might come within ten points or so. I just feel like I just feel like the Bengals are the more are the stronger team by
1: far in this one. How effective is Lamar if he does play? How effective can he be? He hadn't played in over a month. And you're right about the defense. The Bengals, right there with with San Francisco, when it comes to the most important statistic defensively, how many points do you give up? In their eight-game winning streak, they're allowing 19.8 points per game. Uh phew. That's pretty darn good. I'm with you. Give me Cincinnati. They're they're good on both sides of the ball. Oh, here's the one I can't wait for. Monday night. Um, the Dallas Cowboys heading to Tampa Bay to take on the Buccaneers. They've never beaten a Tom Brady team, and they look like they look like they were so far from a playoff team in their season finale. Here again, all the pressure in the world on Mike McCarthy, on Dak Prescott, and the Cowboys, all of it.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Truly all of it. Uh, Yeah. And yeah, the Cowboys have been pretty schizophrenic. I I don't put a lot of stock into that blowout that they suffered at the hands of Washington, because if I'm not mistaken, Philadelphia had already won. Uh, Thereby, you know, Dallas could not move up in the playoff, you know, playoff seedings. Uh, But yeah, even still to lay an egg like that and to do so with your starters in for most of the game, uh, you're you're right. I don't have a lot of confidence in Mike McCarthy uh, as a head coach i'm a Dak prescott defender uh but it's getting tougher and tougher to remain so and the thing about tampa bay is they play some horrid ball this year but they have been pretty consistent on the defensive side of the football uh i think dallas is going to have to make some plays defensively against tom brady uh and it might come down to the black and the the man in the black and white striped jerseys uh, you know, as, as opposed to on the football field, but believe it or not, Jordy, I actually like Dallas, uh, to, to edge out Tampa Bay in this game. Uh, I, I I'm on the fence. It's 50 I could flip a coin. Uh, but I'm going to go with Dallas by the slimmest of margins.
1: Okay. There you go. Bob Rose. Um, let's do your, I, I was going to do this beforehand and I forgot it, but let's do your, um, your weekly power rankings, um, Last week you had Cincinnati number one, San Francisco number two, Buffalo three, Philadelphia four, and Dallas at number five. So this week at number five, who's Bob Rose got now?
5: Uh, I'm going to move the Philadelphia Eagles to number five. Uh, they, they were not impressive at all, but they did what they had to do to win win that one game to grab a hold of uh, the number one seed and the all-important buy. That buy is so key for them because they got to get healthy on the defensive side of the football. If they're healthy, this Eagles team has outplayed everybody all year long. Uh, yeah, but a, a lot depends on health. I've been a fan of the Eagles all year long, uh, and I yeah I, I think they're gonna they're they're poised for a strong playoff run.
1: All right, that's number five. Who's gonna be number four this week?
5: Kansas City Chiefs. Okay. Uh And yeah, you know, Kansas City was gifted the number one seed, uh, but yeah, the the NFL kind of had no choice in doing what they did. Uh, Kansas City, they have holes all over their roster. But you and I have talked about this man before. As long as you have a franchise quarterback, the, the, the level of Patrick Mahomes and a coach, the level of Andy Reid, you got a shot in any football game. Kansas City is going to be a tough out in the AFC. Uh, yeah, I just I, I, I had to put him in my top five going into the
1: playoffs. You got to figure out a way to outscore him. You're not going to stop him. You got to outscore them. That's what it's going to take. There are some teams out there that can, particularly. Yeah. In the AFC. So mm-hmm. we shall see. Number three, Bob Rose of the Saints News Network is
5: it's one of those teams that could outscore the Kansas City Chiefs, and that is the Buffalo Bills. All right. Uh, we just got done talking about how well Buffalo has been playing down the stretch. Um uh, Josh Allen, uh, Josh Allen's arm seems a little bit nicked up to me. Uh, but yeah. I think he can well we know he can make plays with his legs and I think the fact that the Bills have established a running game means that Josh Allen is not feeling the pressure of having to win a game all by himself. Uh you know Buffalo is angry. Uh yeah you know, they they believe that they've been wronged in the playoffs the last 2 years uh, you know that the fate Strong them, Uh, you will see how they respond to that. Uh, Yeah, the Bills have been most people's Super Bowl favorite all year long. I they're not my my top favorite, but I I believe that they are among the most well balanced team, well rounded teams in the NFL.
1: All right, the two teams that have the uh, the first-round buys are bringing up the rear in the top five. Philly in the NFC, Kansas City in the AFC. Buffalo's at number three at number – do we have a change at the top? At number two is? I'm a little bit
5: boring this week. Uh, San Francisco 49ers San Francisco. are my number two team.
1: All right.
5: Uh, uh, yeah, San Francisco has the best defense in the NFL from front to back. Uh, and there's a lot of good defenses out there. We have one in New Orleans, too. But, uh, yeah, the the 49ers are just demolishing teams on that side of the ball. Uh, they've dealt with a lot of injuries on the offensive side. Well, they're starting to get healthy now. Uh, big question, obviously, how well is Purdy going to perform at quarterback during the playoffs? Uh, but they have a deep stable of running backs. Uh, all Purdy really has to – all he's being told to is – when we ask you to pass, just get the ball out of your hands to those guys named Kittle and Debo and IU. M- get it out quickly and let them make plays. And you know, it, it, Brock has done exactly that. Uh, I don't see that game plan changing much. I don't think anybody – I love Philadelphia, as you know, but I don't think anybody knocks San Francisco off in the playoffs.
1: All right. That uh, leaves number one. It's got to be Cincinnati, right? I
5: am going with Cincinnati, yeah. Okay. Uh first of all I, I, again I believe the NFL did what they could with a, a bad situation uh you know with the Demar Hamlin injury and what they had to do with the seedings uh but I believe Cincinnati uh if it came down to a Cincinnati Kansas City AFC title game that should also be decided by home, a uh, coin flip for home field advantage. Uh, but, yeah, you know, irregardless, Cincinnati's got Joe Burrow, Cincinnati's got weapons everywhere uh, wide receiver, tight end, running back. They've improved their offensive line, although that's still the weak spot of the team. You and I talked about their defense before. I think Cincinnati is a legitimate powerhouse. Uh, yeah, I've been on their bandwagon all year long. I am not about to jump off now. They were my preseason AFC pick for yeah. the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you we'll know, ignore what my NFC pick was, but at least my AFC pick looks uh, pretty good right now
1: third time uh that the Bengals and the Ravens will play they'll play in back-to-back weekends Bengals close out the regular season with a 27-16 win over Lamar Jackson less Ravens do you give any credence to an advantage or a disadvantage playing back-to-back games like that
5: I uh, no, not really um okay. Uh, yeah, especially when you're in a position like the Bengals were, uh, you know they pretty much knew what, what their seating situation was going to be uh, going in, so they didn't necessarily have to open up their whole playbook, and they still beat Baltimore without that. I just think you know when you're playing with as much confidence as the Cincinnati Bengals are right now, uh, you know I, I I give a big advantage to them because of that, uh, you know as they as they face a divisional rival who knows them very well.
1: Abro Saint Sue's Network. Um, despite missing the games that he did, is is Jalen Hurts the MVP or is it Pat Mahomes or is it Joe Burrow? If you ha- if you were deciding, who would you give it to this year in the in the National Football League?
5: Uh, who I would give it to is Joe Burrow. Um Okay. I think Patrick Mahomes ends up getting it because of name recognition. Uh, you know, he's won it before. Uh, but you know, Burrow, to me, has had this slightly better season. Um, yeah, he had injuries, if you recall, at the, you know, at the receiving core. And, you know, Joe just keeps putting up those numbers. You can hit him. You can throw him around the field. Uh, there has never been a player closer to Joe Montana than Joe Burrow. You Mm. can beat that guy senseless, and he is still going to get off of the mat and beat you in the fourth quarter, Mm. uh, and just throw dimes. Uh, You know, Joe Burrow is my favorite quarterback to watch in the NFL. This is no disrespect to Jalen. I love Jalen Hurts. I love how he remade himself as a passer. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Herbert—they're all formidable. I will take Joe Burrow on my team, and my uh, uh, and uh, feel strong in my chances to beat your team.
1: Does uh does Doug Peterson have any say in uh who's the NFL coach of the year? I mean, he took Jacksonville to the playoffs. I know there's some some very deserving coaches in in Buffalo, uh, in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. Minnesota, but this resurgence of the Jaguars has been pretty impressive. Oh yeah, and I love Doug Peterson, as you know.
5: My coach of the year is Dable. Um I just think he did more with less.
1: Who, who? Uh yeah, oh, because sorry. you
5: look at the, uh at Brian Dable for the Giants. Okay. okay. Uh but Peterson has got to be got to be a close second and I I wouldn't have a problem at all uh you know if uh, if Doug ended up winning it. Uh you look at the mess that he inherited in Jacksonville. Yeah, there was talent on that roster, uh but the Jaguars had missed on so many high first round draft picks. Uh you know, happened to pick themselves out of the earth urban meyer mess that he left behind uh you know doug peterson right. was such a great hire for them yeah. uh you know and you know trevor lawrence who i was you know kind of openly questioning uh you know it, whether he was going to end up being a bust he looks far from it now peterson yeah. is getting a lot
1: out of his quarterback 30 seconds one quick last answer um aaron Rodgers, tom brady do both stay with their respective teams, are both on different teams or are both retired after this season?
5: Uh, neither is with is back with their with their teams. I believe Tom Brady plays in the NFL next year, elsewhere. I believe Aaron Rodgers finally retires.
1: Very good. Bob Rose, Saints News Network, you are number one. Not Cincy. You are number one. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, sir.
5: Can't wait, my friend. Thank you, and have a great week.
1: Bob Rose, here we go.
0: Tune in next week to the Jordy Holberg Show for the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Jordy Holberg was draining three-pointers with ease way before Steph Curry came on the scene or was even born. Now, back to the Jordy Holberg Show on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: All right, fun time. We had it flew by, as it always does. Um, special thanks to our guest, Sean Kelly, the radio voice of the Florida Gators. LSU Gators in hoops tonight, 6 p.m. You can listen to it here on The Game. Cokie Riley and I discussed LSU football, present and future bob rose of the saints news network and we talked about the saints present future and the nfl playoffs um nothing like the nfl playoffs nothing like i i read a stat somewhere top 35 television programs watched last year 31 of them were nfl games the nfl rules the world it just does if today january 10th is your birthday all of us here wish all of you there the very best day possible. You share yours with 74-year-old George Foreman. Is he more known as a boxer or as the the Foreman Grill? It's debatable, right? And wake up Maggie, there's something I got to say to you. Rod Stewart is 78 years young today. Wow. Uh, Tomorrow, we will uh, recap the Tigers and the Gators in hoops. Michael Huguenin will join us for another Hump Day with Huguenin edition as we talk about college football in Georgia when LSU and and the regular crowd shuffles in. We'll go into college hoops as well. um, And we'll talk more and more and more about the NFL playoffs coming up. So that's the docket tomorrow. Um, James Mesh, thank you. in the producer's chair for all you do each and every day. Thanks to all of you for listening in whatever form fashion you do radio internet television whatever it may be thank you and our partners you know what i feel about you we we just couldn't get it done without you so come on back tomorrow same time 2 to 4 same stations 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles so until then i'm Jordy Helper stay thirsty my friends do everything you can possibly to stay healthy let's be kind to one another and hey be happy